I am not alone anymore. And it's nice. Welcome back to Slam City, episode eight. Still going strong. Unqua Sonia, Raymond Mora, Jeremy Epstein in our beautiful Bryant Park, New York studios. Fellas, welcome back. I'm back from vacation. Good to be I'm back. back. How was your uh, show last week? Uh, you know, Pat LaShawn came in. We kind of went back and forth. It, it was pretty, pretty good. I learned that he has access I have never really seen. I would say unprecedented for this site. Talking about going courtside, seeing Kevin Love. Seriously, listen to the last episode if, if you didn't hear it. But at the very least, we're back. I'm happier. Blah, 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 blah. So since the NBA has decided to make differences in their cap space, the deadline is passed. And all morning, we've been getting responses of verbal agreements because nothing can be signed till July 9th, but verbal agreements for contracts. To me, now I know because the cap is going up, these numbers only represent a percentage of what the new cap is going to be. But can you explain to me some of these numbers? Because honestly, they're blowing my mind right now. Well, we live in a market right now where everybody's getting overpaid. And, and to be quite honest, that's, that's how it is going to be for the next five years. Because look at it. Right now, you're seeing deals that people are signing five-year, $130 million. Uh, the Rosen got like a, almost $140 million. Uh, White side guys max deal. But, you know, these players want to get paid. And you're going to see it right now. It's going to be a trend. And people are going to say, oh, well, it's too much money for one player. I have to disagree with that because – you know, everybody believes that they're they're um, more viable than they think. And I just felt like looking at all these contracts, it, it's going to be a trend. What do you think? Well, you look at this has been in place for a while, ever since that new nine-year, $24 billion TV, TV deal yeah. was signed. So you look at it's really all about the percentage of the cap. So if you take a guy like Joakim Noah, who got a 17 million to $18 million contract, if you look at the percentage that he's taking up of the current cap, it's the same that he took up with the – Chicago Bulls cap. So you have to look at it like that. So not all of these contracts are going to be albatrosses. If they were with a $70 million cap, then you could say, what the hell is going on? These contracts are ridiculous. But even with a guy like Timofey Mozgov getting that $65 million contract with the Lakers. Yeah, that was, that was ridiculous. I don't understand that deal at Honestly, all. I like the deal because even though, yes, he didn't get a lot of playing time in Cleveland, I think he's gonna be able to, you know, really adjust and. He doesn't fit, into fit that system. Lakers. But you got we like, don't know what system they're running. Yet. Luke Walton said he's gonna run an up-tempo system similar to the Golden State Warriors. But you gotta look at the cap room right now. Look, it's 94 this year, right? Next year is gonna be 120. God knows we don't know what's gonna be the other year. I mean, these TV deals are making these caps go all the way up for each franchise. Now you don't see the big markets getting all these stars. Not everybody can get any stars they want. So that's, I, that's I think all it's going to be one more uh, high explosion, and then it, then I think it's going to uh, slowly escalate. I don't know how much longer it's going to keep going up from where it was last year to the jumped up to twenty million, and it's going to jump up another twenty million this year. I mean, look at it. Bradley Beal got a five-year, one hundred thirty million. John Parsons might get a max deal with the Blazers. They didn't even play that much. What's interesting to me and though ridiculous. is that the teams don't have to offer these contracts. It's interesting that the agents are really setting the market with these with the players because. It's not that you, the, a team who views a guy, say, as a $12 million player in the old cap, they don't have to offer him $16 million. I'm very curious what's going through the minds of these general managers and things well, like that. Well, that's two words. Money talks. It's all about money. But it that's doesn't all have, it is. They, 
even though the cap rises up, it doesn't force them to give these offers. The agents can ask for the max. Joe, there were a report Joe Kim Noah wanted a max from the Washington Wizards. They didn't have, They weren't going to give it to him. An agent can ask for $18 million a year. The team doesn't have to give it to him. That's just something I'm very, very interested and confused about. Like, look at Dwight Howard. He wants 24 a year. No one's going to give him that. I mean, but you look at today's NBA, it's, it's like – you have one player saying, look, I got a lot of money. And then he says to himself, how come I don't get this amount of money? You know, he's not even better than me. I mean, that's how it is right now. They're all thinking that, they're thinking that way. I mean, all these low salary players or all these low ranked players, they're saying we're getting all this money. And then the high ranks are saying, well, how come I'm not getting this or even more than them? It's almost like the Shaq Alonzo morning thing from the mid-90s all over again. Like, again, you see the market being set with Bradley Beal and all those sort of players. Down the line, you can even see Evan Turner making an argument like, wait a minute, he hasn't been in the league this long. I do A, B, C, and D. That should be my kind of money, too. Yeah, but you mentioned Shaq and Alonzo Mourning, two top-tier players. Look who's setting the I market un- right I now. understand Joe that. Joe and Timothy Mozgov. But all I'm saying is it's going to be that sort of tete-a-tete. I think as we go through the free agency, but it's process. not comparable because those are two of the top tier players at their position. You get, could you tell me honestly, Timothy Mozgov is a top ten center? Not at all, not at so all. It doesn't but make what sense I, that he's setting the market. I didn't say it made sense. I said that sort of thing will happen because Alonzo Mourning was the NBA's first hundred million dollar contract, and Shaq at the time when he was with the Magic, he was considering taking an eighty million dollar contract. Until he saw that Alonzo Mourning was getting under million. He's like, that's not going to cut it for me. It's not ever just put anybody in this class on that level. But I'm saying that type of conversation is now bound to happen because of what just started. Well, it's over, it's about overpaying people. Now, that's all it is right now. It's just you got to overplay a, a player because you want him to be on the team no matter what. Because somebody's going to up the money. I mean, it's, it's like if you do an auction, you know, somebody says, oh, it's $10 million or $20 million or whatever. That's how it is right now for I these think, I think it's more about what Ray's point is, that teams, especially like the Knicks or especially like the Lakers, who have struck out on big free agents in the last year, they need to overpay to get guys to come in. But it still doesn't make it make any more sense. Who's yeah. the most questionable signing so far? Timothy Mozgov. Timothy Mozgov. The, the Rosen, look, so he's, not he's the good. Rosen. No, he, he, no, the Rosen anything, is good, but he didn't deserve that amount of money. The way that the Bradley way the player Beal is, got a similar contract. And Bradley Beal, I put him up there. Both so, of them, I think they deserve that much at money. At least the Rosen is a multiple All Stars playing on Team USA. Bradley Beal can't stay healthy. His contract's way more questionable than the Rosen's, even though you had to give it to him because another team was going to offer Beal the max. What about Hassan Whiteside? I mean that that. Well, with his defensive numbers and his ability to protect the rim, especially with the dying breed of the center, you were everyone knew he was going to get a max contract. It's just to me, it's incredibly interesting that the Lakers, the one of the flagship franchises of the NBA, the second most championships ever, could not get a meeting with a guy who was playing basketball in Lebanon and China, to a couple years ago. I mean, look at this deal. At least Jordan Clarkson he had a four-year, fifty million. That's reasonable. Okay, I could give him. We could give him that, right? But then you have a deal like. Well, Jeremy Lynn, Jeremy Lynn yeah, three year, thirty six million. That's really, really reasonable. Nic- Nicholas Platoon is the worst one. Five That's, years, one hundred twenty. Making it seem like this guy's like a superstar for them, basically. He's, but he was a really good player for them last yeah, year. Yeah, he's and, a good and guy. And more importantly, he's literally going to fit into this mobile NBA because he doesn't need the ball to do a whole lot. Yeah, but he's a role player, not a max player. Like, the max contract a, is viewed and has always been viewed for superstar level. He he's a guy who give you all like he can give you triple double numbers, but he's not a guy we can count on to say, "Oh, I'm gonna take over a game and all that." If you, if, you know, usually max contracts are given to guys who say, "If there's five seconds left and we're down two, 
we want this guy to take the shot. And we're going to have multiple max players on teams. Really, That's just the way But it's really, be. there should only be like five players in the league, I believe, that should have a max contract. LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Stephen Curry, maybe Russell Westbrook. And I'm thinking from the East. You can look at guys like Paul George. Paul George, like yeah, that. Paul George. Those players, they have, they deserve to get max contracts because they do everything for their franchise. But when it comes to like the Moscovs of the world or, or Clarkson or even Jeremy Lin, they don't get deserved that like much Batum. money. Yeah, Batoon, like Batoon, you can't give like, him five years, like 120 we were, million. We were talking about earlier, Al Jefferson <laughs> signed a deal worth 10 million dollars a year. That's that's, see, that's good. Contract. Yeah, he's good. That's 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 around yeah, his so range. So you're telling me that Timothy Moscov is better than Al Jefferson? I don't think so. He, at may, all. he very well may play better than Al Jefferson. Mm, nah, he's definitely a better defender than. Al Jefferson is. But he's not a better offensive player than him. Al Jefferson gets you 18 a game. He's only give you 18 a game. He give you 18 and 8 at least. Gives Matt. you 18 and 8 and a I free passage to the rim. I, I'm just saying that maybe it's not as outrageous as you I guarantee you if Al Jefferson is on the Cleveland Cavaliers, he doesn't he does not get any do not did not play coach's decisions in the NBA finals. That's true. I got to lie about that. But like I said, like I like they said, those five or six players that deserve max contracts in the NBA, they deserve that. But these other players, they don't deserve it. Like Chandler Parsons is about to get the second <laughs> max contract of his career. Dallas maxed him out when he was restricted. And he even play a lot of minutes. And, he, and he's been injured the last two years. Yeah. I think it's more of a testament to how great these agents are that they're getting this money for these players. You can say you can say the same thing about also players that get drafted too. They they start off with like big contracts they signed these deals with nike or adidas they didn't even play but their rookie scale deals are relatively good though they're only like five like ben simmons is going to make 15 million dollars this year he's going to make his decent base salary with most of the money that he's going to come from endorsements and things like that they could go either way but with the current cap situation these contracts were expected but it's amazing that there's really it doesn't seem like there's been any negotiation a lot of these deals like joe kim noah and timothy mazas were agreed right away I mean, just give me one deal that you think is reasonable. There's none. Al Jefferson. There's, well, maybe Jefferson. But that's like. Jeremy Lynn's too. That's not reasonable. That's like the 5 or He's 10%. Three, three for 36. It. You know how much money Jeremy Lynn made last year? Two point something. But he's getting eight But he's getting eight mil to likely stay in the lineup as a starting point guard. That's not bad. For the Nets? For the oh. Nets, that's not bad. Wait, how much what? money did you say he was getting? 36. Yeah, 36 th- over three. Three year, 36. Exactly. So that's eight a year. No, it's not 80 a year. It's not 80 that's a not year. year. That's more than 10. That's that's at least, I'll give you right now because my map is still not. $12 million a year. It's 12 a year. 12 a year. My timetable sucks. <laughs> but still, it's I still don't think it's not that bad a deal. It really isn't that bad a deal. Twelve. Okay. He, 12 play, he played his way to that contract last year. Even though he came off the bench, he played his way to that contract last year. For $12 million a year? Yes, for $12 million a year. If we're talking about how the cap has sort of uplifted everybody's contract value, Jeremy Lynch falls right. If anything, Lynch, it, it borders on just, slightly unreasonable, but not that much. Just because the cap went up doesn't mean he became a better player. But if anything, Lynch should get the mid level exception. I'll give him that. I think he, that's, that's he's 10 like a, million. He's like that's a, 10 million. Five to eight, maybe $10 million a year. I'll player. give him that. I think that's more reasonable than what he's getting now. It's really a testament to how great some of these agents are. That they get the Timothy Mozgov got a five, a four years, sixty five million dollar contract. It's unbelievable. You like it? You think Cleveland's cool? I mean, I never heard anybody say I'm going to Cleveland on vacation. If the reports are correct, Joe Kim Noah will be the newest member of the New York Knicks. Four years, seventy two million dollars are the verbal numbers. They can't sign anything for. 
more for about a week and change. But, fellas, I like the signing. I don't like the money. And I know we talked about the, the real differences in contracts and whatnot. But, you know, I'm I'm – I'm not. A, I'm not mad at the signing. I actually kind of like it. I love the signing. Yeah, I've been. I've been talking about Joakim though. Ever since they signed Robin Lopez last year to that four-year contract, I always was wondering why Phil wouldn't hold out a year and go after a guy like Joakim Noah or um, Al Jefferson, another guy. I love you, though. Al doesn't play any defense. But I always would say I don't. don't I wouldn't understand why Phil wouldn't give Joakim a low offer. This I love Joakim. The years worry me. The money doesn't worry me because of the cap percentage. It's still the same percentage as it would be when he was with the Bulls. It's the years because he's not a young guy. He's going to be 35-year-old starting center making uh, $18 million a year. And, and that By the end of the contract, it's going to be it, that's a little tough to swallow. But I love the signing. He's a guy that doesn't need the ball. He thrives offensively. He's a great passer for a big man. If they run the triangle in the half court, he's perfect for that system because he could pass. He's played with Derrick Rose. So hopefully, that would ease that transition. I think it's a great signing. It's a, I think it's a bargain signing. If anything, you know, you, you need a center anyway. You just traded Robin Lopez. Uh, Porzingis is going to play some center, but you can't put him at full time. And you know. Also, reports of Porzingis is other teammate possibly coming here, so it's probably gonna be a backup center either way. But just like the signing because he brings that toughness, brings that energy. You know, he's he's a passing center, so it works fits to what they want to do. Especially gotta bring energy, especially when New York, the New York crowd says he's New York native, so he knows how they are. So he's gonna do whatever it takes to make sure this team wins games. I'm not saying you're going to put a centerpiece on all about him, but he's gonna be that piece where you need him to do all the little things. He brings that toughness and that a grit to that center position that the Knicks haven't had. I mean, you could say Tyson Chandler brought that a little bit when he won the Defensive Player of the Year, but then Tyson Chandler's also the same guy who got dominated in a playoff series by Roy Hibbert. I don't see Joakim Noah being dominated by Roy Hibbert. He brings that that grit, that toughness, that intensity that this Knicks team at times has lacked. It looks like in phenomenal shape, according to Howard Beck, too, a Bleacher Report, so we'll see what happens. And honestly, he's coming. This is a homecoming for him. He went to Poly Prep High in Brooklyn, and I think what I'm going to enjoy seeing is him just tweak the other team. That That's that's going to be very, very funny to me. If, yeah. if you see two other sets of teammates arguing and he does what he did to – I think it was LeBron and Wade when the Bulls played them in the playoffs a couple of years ago, just clapping in their faces like, yeah! Like that, be a troll. That, 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 yeah, that sort of troll. thing is just really, he's really He's a competitor, fun which competitor is something which is you don't find a lot in the NBA anymore. Guys who really throw their whole heart and soul into the game, and that's exactly what Joe Kim Noah does. A competitor and a troll. That's what he is. But the pro- <laughs> with the signing, I think if ev- the main thing is health. Health is an attribute in today's NBA. You don't see a lot of guys play 82 games. You can say what you want about Robin Lopez. He suited up every night and played 82 games. Exactly. So that's something that I would be worried about with Joe Kim Noah, but I love the signing. I think it, it, it's a perfect signing for the Knicks. He fits in the offense. I think he'll do wonders under Jeff Warnesack. But obviously there's a lot more work to be done with this team. So yep. right now you're your starting five. Well, we, there isn't a five because we don't have a two guard. Well, well that's what I was about to go. That's what I was about to go into. You have Rose at the one, fill in the blank at the two. Evan Turner, Mello three. Yeah, more Porzingis four, mm-hmm. Noah five. Who's the two? Who well, do you try to you go get? You have a few guys. There's been names like a guy like Courtney Lee who would, for the system, would kind of be perfect, a perfect 3 and D guy. What I think the Knicks are going to look at, because we've said this a few times today on the podcast, is that they have a lot of ball-dominant scores. You look at Carmelo needs the ball. 
Porzingis needs the ball, and Derrick Rose needs the ball. So you can look at a guy who could, you know, on a driving kick, if Derrick Rose is driving kicking or you're doubling Porzingis in the pose, you could find a two-guard to kick it out in the corner for a three. That's a guy like Courtney Lee who could also defend his position. But at the same time, it'd be good to have somebody who could spell Rose and maybe you could play Rose off the ball a little bit, play Rose. Rose is 6'3", maybe give him some post looks, some mid-range looks, and have that guy run the offense for a little bit. So Langston Galloway? No, you don't he's know. Too, he's too no, small. No, he's a backup at most. He no, that's why I'm saying you bring him back. Yeah, I think you oh, can bring, bring him back. back. They yeah. gave him a qualifying offer, so if it's not too crazy, yeah. they'll bring him back. It's going to come down to Eric Gordon or Evan Turner, in my opinion. If Eric Gordon could stay players. healthy, he'd be really yeah. good. I think if Evan Turner could shoot, he'd be really good. So Courtney Lee is kind of the perfect uh, perfect compromise of both of them because he's not as good as a playmaker as Evan Turner, and he could shoot as well as Eric Gordon. That's why I'm a little worried about Aaron Eric Gordon, that is, because, yes, he's very, very talented, and when he can be healthy, he can be a terror but it feels like to me there are going to be four guys in that lineup who need the ball to be effective. Because before Eric Gordon got hurt, he was really the cent- He and Anthony Davis were the centerpieces for, for New Orleans. But if you look at uh, the way his career has panned out now, he's focused a lot more on taking threes. I think he averaged about six threes. Is the most six threes taken this year, the most he's ever attempted. So it's been going up from year to year to year. So I think he's begun that transition into a spot up shooter at this, as he's lost some of his athleticism due to the lower body injuries he suffered throughout his career. So I, I think he's a perfect fit. Just you know, you're gonna see a lot of reports still saying this is gonna be the most injured lineup starting lineup in the it, league. It is. Which it is. which is gonna be it the is. worst for because that'll be like the most Nick thing to say. But I mean, we gotta be optimistic. Maybe people this like to different. be se- when it comes to the Knicks, everyone likes to be a self fulfilling prophecy. I I've never seen because the one thing I I, I have to argue about that is what, what do you want them to sign then because every signing you say to me is a lose lose situation for the Knicks. Whatever they do is just like it's a terrible signing. Oh, this is bad. This is terrible. You, I mean, at some point you gotta be positive who they sign for. You know, it's just it's ridiculous. No, well, they've made some good moves. I don't think anyone will argue with that. The Joe Kim Noah was definitely an upgrade. The Derrick Rose is a ton of complete upgrade. It's the, that's the bottom line. The will they stay healthy? It, the Knicks um, training staff isn't the most well-renowned in the league. It's look at Amari Stoudemire. It's been the same for the past fifteen years. I'm surprised Dolan hasn't even clean house for that. Well, look staff. at Amari Stoudemire. Look at Carmelo's knee issues. They haven't really been anything to write home about. Not like the Phoenix Suns it training makes staff. Makes no sense. You're in, it's New York City. You have a lot of trainers that are, that are probably better than them. Why are they not getting a shot for, with the Knicks? Well, that's going to be the bottom line. If they can stay healthy, if they can stay healthy and they can get a solid two guard, fill out that bench. The bench should be full of they're, veterans. They're definitely, they could definitely they be a playoff team. You think David Lee could be a backup? I think David Lee if, would probably if, be looking for more playing time elsewhere. Plus, the Knicks, the way they play, you can play Carmelo at the four, you can move Porzingis to the five, you can play Noah at the five. You still have Kylo Quinn under contract, which is a terrible contract so far. Four for 16, he's entering the I second year of that. It's million, though. It's not a lot. Well, like he's paying ten, paying ten million. But like you're not. They, he guys. doesn't play. They're also. I think I read somewhere they're also looking to bring Kevin Serafin back. But David Lee would be an interesting signing because he could still rebound. He could still play David Lee, which is what he showed I'd when he happy, was with the Dallas Mavericks last year. Coming back now, we have to mention this because we know it's not going to happen. But I feel. But this signing effectively knocks out the Knicks' chance, barring a trade. They they knocked the Knicks out of the Kevin Durant sweepstakes, which they were never really in. So they weren't. In it. I mean, I. I did a ranking on these teams where he could sign with. The Knicks were number seven because there was only seven teams. They were the last one because there was no way I don't think he had a chance of signing unless it was a magical fairy tale uh, way the Knicks could somehow get Devin Durant, which was never going to happen. Well, I think that in terms of talent, the Knicks starting five, if 
you add Durant, obviously, that'd be great. But I, I, you're right. There was never a realistic chance of him going. He didn't even take – I think he's all about winning with the with Oklahoma City Thunder. And if you look at the teams he's meeting with, the Spurs, the, um, the, the Warriors, Warriors yeah. the Clippers even, they're all teams that are ready to win now. And as much as the Knicks are – because you can't argue that the Knicks aren't in win-now mode when they're signing a 31-year-old center to a four-year contract. But I don't see them go to the so. Clippers. I mean, Clippers have had their no. run. They had their chances. And then they want to form this big four, which is never going to happen the, anyway. The, the windows – I think the window's closed. It's already closed. I mean, Chris Paul, for all we know, he'll probably leave after next year and probably want to go somewhere else. Maybe want to play with LeBron. Maybe want to play with Carmelo. We'll see. So I mean, enough. Is, is that, see what happens. I'm he, sorry about that. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying, like – Chris Paul uh, next year is going to be a free agent. I'll keep my eye on him for the next. Like the way the the way the center position is stocked this year, when you had Noah, Al Jefferson, Dwight Howard, uh, Hassan Whiteside, the point guard position is stocked next year. Where you got Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, Steph Curry, Derrick Rose. You have a ton of guys coming off the books, free agent wise. So if the Knicks, who if Derrick Rose flops, will be in need of a point guard. Should have some money to spend. It'll be Chris interesting Paul, to see who they can get. Russell Westbrook. I mean, I could see Chris Paul coming here more than once to Westbrook, to be honest. Absolutely. Chris Paul back. There were rumors that when Carmelo demanded the trade, when the Knicks formed that big three, that Chris Paul wanted to come to New York. The Knicks amnestied Chauncey Billups and decided to sign Tyson Chandler, killing that pipe dream. So yeah. <laughs> so maybe this is their second chance. And, and for all we know, next year, the Knicks could have the, the most cap room out of everybody in the league. So you could be They only Chris have five Paul. guys under contract now. It also depends on who they sign. So if they give Send a guy like Evan year. Turner yeah. a $10 million, a $40 million contract, that cap space is shrink significantly. <laughs> So the Olympics, you know, this week uh, the whole Olympic team was there. Everybody, they were saying about, you know, they're going to go for gold this year with the roster they got. They didn't get much players due to the ZQ virus. But looking at this roster, they're going to win gold, and they're probably going to win by 30 points against any international team. In fact, I I can say that any NBA team that was going to the Olympics could probably win it all. I don't know about the 76ers, but your point you're making is right. If the USA um, sent three teams to the Olympics of NBA-caliber players, they'd probably win gold, silver, and bronze. I mean, you're looking at the game. Like, it's international and the court. You know, the lines would be closer to the— The three-point line Yeah, they'd be closer. Yeah, yeah. You play under international rules where there's essentially goaltending where if the ball is rolling around the rim, you can knock it off. But some there are there is a questionable name on this list for me, and that's Harrison Barnes. I don't understand how he's included on the team. That you couldn't find one guy. Look at the way he played in the finals. I mean, and this uh, is the same dude that just a couple weeks ago we were talking could potentially be a max player, and he. I think he played his way out of that contract. I don't think so. I mean, if you look at some of the numbers that are given out, he's gonna get a ton of money. But he's gonna get a ton of money. But looking at the roster, you got Carmelo Anthony. You know, he's gonna be there. It's his fourth Olympics. Best international <laughs> American power forward of all time, by the way. Oh, yeah, the number small four, power yeah, four. No, power four. The, num- the numbers support it. Well, then you got Harrison Barnes, of course. You got Jimmy Butler, Demarcus Cousins, DeRozan, Durant, George, Green, Irving, Jordan, Lowry, and Thompson. So you can tell me that with that roster, you could pretty much just beat everybody by thirty points. Yeah, because Spain is is aging. Yeah, they're aging. They're not the same. Um, you look at Argentina, yeah, Argentina with Ginobili, not the, yeah. they're not the same anymore. France. Canada's going to be a team to watch in the next few well, years. Tristan Thompson's going to be part of Canada. Well, Tristan Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, they have a ton of talent over there, but they're not this year. The U.S. has a solid lock on this. And the U.S. isn't even sending their best players, even at the point guard position. Damian Lillard's not going. Steph Curry's not going. 
Yeah. So the U.S. even with this team though, you got a lot of wing defenders, and in the international game, it's all about stretching the floor, taking advantage of that short three-point line, and just running up the points. I mean, the USA is set for that. They got two point guards. I mean, look at this. Last year, when when they were in the World Championships, they won with that roster too, and they were beating teams now. And, and Irving was playing great, and Rose was playing great. And then this year, you only got two point guards, Irving and Lowry. You got pretty much two centers in Jordan and Cousins. And then you got you could play Green at center. I, I honestly, mean, I think the way they built it, they can play Draymond at the one even. Possibly, yeah. Because then you could run out a lineup with like him, Durant, George, Cousins, Thompson. Those are just random names. I, I, I find myself wondering what exactly the best lineup's going to look like because, the, honestly, I, I have no idea what's Even three lineups. You got Green at the point. You have Thompson at the two. Well, actually, Irving at the two. You have Thompson at if the you, three. If, you, you if Kyrie Irving's playing, he's, he's going to play the point. Though. You shouldn't You're just You're not going to play Draymond Green at the point. Well, I mean, I'm just saying. You like, could run a lineup. You could run a big lineup with him at You want to run a big lineup, yeah, like that. You couldn't do it. But Irving's most likely going to play point. He's largely going to come off the bench. I mean, the starting lineup I can see right now is either Irving, Clay, uh, possibly George, uh, Durant. I think I don't know, maybe Carl might come off the bench or maybe he'll start. We don't we'll see. I no, think he came off the bench during the the last Olympic trials. No, he so. might come off the bench this time. He might time. come off the bench again, but that was when they had LeBron and Kevin Durant. So, so yeah, you they had, might start. You gotta have Durant and Paul George in the lineup for sure. You could definitely gotta have probably Cousins because you know I think he's better than Jordan in terms of you know he could do everything. And then you gotta have Irving and then Clay. So Green might come off the bench too. Yeah, Draymond will probably come on yeah. the bench. It's interesting to see who's going to start at center. Because if you look at last time, I know they only had really Tyson Chandler. They did have Anthony Davis, but that was Anthony Davis coming right out of college. And he wasn't going to play much So, anyway. I mean, they didn't really play a lot of five. Like, Tyson Chandler would start the game, play five minutes, and then get taken out, and then they go small ball. Yeah. So I don't know how much DeAndre Jordan is going to play. But I think DeMarcus Cousins could have a big impact. You might see Durant at center. Yeah, you probably could, especially in international play with Durant being seven feet tall. Hey, you know, six nine. So I don't, I don't know. We that, that photo he's, with he's him and foot. Cousins standing side by yeah, Durant, side was Durant's, hilarious. Durant's tall. Durant's bigger than six nine. That's Durant's seven whole, foot. Yeah, that's all. He's seven foot, and that's just scary the way he, he can play center and he can pretty much play all five positions. So it's crazy. And George, same thing. Could play Paul George most, most positions. Yeah, the international. It's all about versatility, and all these players right here are, are completely versatile and can guard multiple positions. Maybe, I mean, in terms of guard ball positions, Carmelo he doesn't play a ton of defense, but he'll get by. But they could also, every player could hit a three. Carmelo in the Lance Olympics set uh, a record for most threes in a game. I think he had 10 threes in one game and scored 37 points in like I could see 10 Clay. minutes or I could something see like Clay that. breaking that. Oh, yeah. Either Clay or Irving. Irving has some catastrophes where he just shoots threes and it's like just everything going in. Up. But it's, it's interesting. After they lost in 2004, they really set a. The Jerry Colangelo and Mike Krzyzewski really have done a really fantastic job of building the international program really back up with several two-year commitments with all these players having to participate in a training camp in Las Vegas every year. They've developed continuity, and it's not like you're just putting a ton of players in and saying, hey, you're play a pickup game against international teams that have been playing with each other and developing for years. So I'll say that is this team, can this team – Compete against the dream team? No, it's not even close. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's not ever have that conversation ever, ever. What ever. about the 2012 one? I, let's not uh, ever have that conversation ever, ever, ever. I don't think this team can be the 2012 Olympic team. Me neither. So, and no one's going to be the dream team. Just look at the centers they had. I mean, it'd be fun to watch DeAndre Jordan and uh, DeMarcus Cousins guard Patrick Ewing, David Robinson. 
and Even all those Carl guys. Even Carl Malone and stuff. What about 2008 one? No, 2000. Stop it. No one's been the dream team. Nobody. Who are you most excited to see? Because for me, I'm, I'm looking squarely at Paul George. I'm looking at Carmelo. I'm gonna, every, yeah, I'm looking at Carmelo too. I want to see what year, he can do. He always ha- comes out for the Olympics and really shows out, and then which is really good for us three because we're Knicks fans. And the year after the Olympics, every year he's always had one of the better years of his career. If you look at after the 08, he took the Nuggets to the conference finals in 2012-13. He took the Knicks won 54 games, so he always comes out. He takes it seriously. He plays well, and then brings that into the NBA season. So for me, it's. Carmelo Anthony because it's probably his last Olympics. He's he's in his early 30s. I don't know if he's going to play in another one. He could win his uh, third gold medal, and I think he's a player to watch. You know I came in this game independent, right? Title, my own name, same difference. You bought nine iPhones and Steve Jobs, Rich. Gotta love having other Dunk 360 contributors, and they're going to launch one more podcast, the flip side, and co-host Mech is joining us in the studio. Mech, how you doing? What up, what up, what up, people? What's going on? So I think, and actually, I'm not going to take any credit for this. It was actually Jeremy who was talking about it yesterday because Jay-Z, who's known in many sports circles because he was a minority owner of the mm-hmm. Nets, he's the reason why the Barclays Center even exists in Brooklyn. Big reason. So big reason. Him and Brett Ratner. Yeah, big reason. So I, I guess really the question is, this whole Apple to title merger, is it happening? Like, what are we looking at? Uh, it's gonna happen like i recently stated once you see it in the press it's probably already done which is which is true for most of this stuff it bothers me because i'm a big fan of ownership i'm a big fan of not letting any like i i'm I'm just a huge fan of owning whatever it is and if if these platforms are looking like the platforms of the future i don't see the benefit in letting that go however Jay being the kind of businessman he is, more than likely there's some kind of backdoor where he still has his hand directly in the product and he still has a way to make money off of it. Who knows what the loopholes in these contracts can be? You know, I've seen some of them. They look like dictionaries. You you know, the, the diligence that people have to do to make these moves happen is always ridiculous. So who knows what Jay has planned? He's smarter than me. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, when a guy looks like that and still marries Beyonce, yes. He had to do smarter. Yeah, the the yeah, swindle yeah. is real. He's smarter. Sure. The, the jig is up. And, <laughs> and she had his kids. So, I mean, you know, hats off to you, smart guy. <laughs> but with, with that said, there's, there's no question in my head that he's got something. It, there's something in it for him. He's not just letting it go. So if you were Jay-Z, what would you look to do if, if you were not in favor of selling in terms of growing the platform to... Um, more fans and get more subscribers. I think you. I think you really just have to start exercising more of the star power. I think maybe you have to stretch some of it out to uh, the podcast market and start, you know, investing in in some of those areas. Definitely. I mean, because he's got a ton of high profile talent, but it always seems to be splintered. Like, you know, Kanye will put out his project strictly on title, which is a great look. But then Beyonce will, you know, do something over at Apple, and then Drake may do something over at Apple. So it's kind of like, all right, well, what are we doing here? We really, Usher, you're you're a co-owner. We need you to put a, a project out. Like, let's get let's get started. Start di- divulging. Start dipping more into alternative forms of music that seem to be picking up steam. And and I, you know, I thought he had a, especially with the summer coming. Start getting these concerts out here. Start doing these live shows and, and getting these performances popping with Rock Nation and, and you got these guys. Like, start 
start turning turning the tide as far as concerts were concerned. But like I, you never know how bad it might be behind, you know, the uh, behind the artwork. You never know what's really happening on the other side of the press release. It could be god awful over there. You know, it might be you know the seventh level of hell in that building for all we know. And if he's abandoning ship. There's got to be some kind of a reason. Because I know Jay-Z had problems with the title fudging their subscribing numbers when yeah, he invested. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So what do you think that Apple will do to kind of reinvigorate the interest in title? And how overall, what do you think of title in general? I, I, I didn't think title was that great, but I thought it had room to grow. Um, I didn't really see anything super duper wrong with it compared to other streaming services. It didn't really. I thought I thought there was a lot of extra scrutiny on it because it was Jay's. Um, I don't know what Apple has in mind. Maybe they just want to get. I mean, aren't they already in the streaming business? Apple Music. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're right are. there. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know exactly what it is they're looking to get out of this deal. I, I doubt it could be anything international. Maybe it's a technology that they don't have their hands on. It was exclusive to title that they think can ramp up their brand or you know they can benefit from like i said the other side of the press release is always crazy you never know exactly what it is that these guys are buying when they when all this money starts getting thrown around what's interesting is when you mentioned the concerts and stuff title really used to be very exclusive with like the jay-z b-sides concert Mm -hmm. even the prince thing before he died how come we haven't really seen more of that i don't know i i do not know certain moves you know, I, I look at things like this, and I, you know, me being a Knicks fan, I'm kind of used to people doing the opposite of the obvious <laughs> good idea. <laughs> so it never really surprises me when it happens anymore. Like when certain ideas are just, they seem to be working and people fade off of them or go a different direction. I, I don't pretend to understand. Again, you never know the entire story. You, it, maybe they were taking a bath on those, but I don't, I don't get it. I don't see it. It looked like it was really something that could start working. Beyonce goes out on tour and the whole world stops. You know, Jay yeah, decides thought, to yeah, do something in Brooklyn something, that, you know, everybody needs to come from five boroughs away, from five towns away, from five miles, states. 50 <laughs> states away to, to get there and see it. You know, Usher is still a killer when it comes to doing his thing. I watched him at the Roots concert. He's still a beast. He still has fans. So, I, you know, Madonna is an icon. So with just those people I just named, Rihanna all on the roster. Yeah, wasn't yeah, Rihanna? Yeah, Rihanna just dropped an album. Like, where? Yeah, I, I don't understand why that would. Too. I don't understand why that wouldn't continue to go. The only person they didn't have was Drake. If we're talking like the top, top urban artist, the only person they were missing was Drake, and I, I kind of like those odds. You think Title <laughs> is better than Spotify? Like, in terms of streaming music and That's all a good that. Good question. Uh, I, I like Spotify more than Title. To be honest, I don't really see that much of a difference. To be honest, I mean, you push play, you press play. What did you think of the whole lossless sort of? I think what what Title tried to do, what they tried to separate themselves with, with the lossless streaming. Like, what what difference does that make? Because I tried to hear, but the difference between the two, I didn't really hear much of. I dude, you you preaching to the choir. I I don't I, I I don't know what the fuck. <laughs> I, I have no idea. To me, it, it, again. It all sounds the same. It's all music. It's all a song. Nine times out of ten, if I'm playing it, it's probably a song I've already heard. If it's an album, then it's an album I haven't heard, and I, I don't have anything to compare it to. So these are all technical things. I'm not an engineer, so my ear doesn't work like that. I'm not hearing all these little nuances that they're claiming. Oh, the sound is a thousand times. I don't hear that. I just hear the guy. All I hear is the guy. It's 
T.I. I know that voice. Okay, great. As long as I can recognize what's happening. Now you want to you want to do something for me. You you really want to you want sound technology to be dope. Uh, make designers speak English. <laughs> <laughs> that help. Translate that, and I'm all for it. Make 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 it sound like Young Thug is saying something other than spaghetti, <laughs> and I'm completely there for it. Like put me onto that. Make little Yachty sound good. So Instant what, technology boost. So what you're saying is basically you think Tidal should have tried to pivot more to their star power and grow with that instead of you know selling to Apple or trying to just continue to walk the path they were walking. I You, you don't know how bad it – I'm saying this in pure ignorance of the numbers and, and whatever they were getting back financially. But, yeah, I, I would – if you're going to start – the entire start of the brand was – a gang of stars, millionaires like the ultimate and entertainer technology all on stage at the same time. And somewhere, somehow, even though they caught backlash from it, they kind of got away from that. And believe it or not, one of the one of the realest things about Tidal is the fact that they were actually paying people. Their whole platform was based on the fact that they were paying independent artists. And I know tons of indie artists who were on Tidal making a substantial amount of money, like uh, I mean, a real genuine percentage of what they were putting out, which is, which is probably one of the things I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna watch the most carefully as this transition happens to see if Apple maintains that because artists were getting killed, you know that all that stuff he kicked about as far as YouTube was concerned and all the other streaming services and you know what Pharrell had that his song got a uh, happy got spun like. Hundreds of millions of times, yeah. and he made mm-hmm. something like eleven dollars or something ridiculous like that. Like, title was actually paying artists, and I mean independent. You know, still have a nine to five level artist. They were actually trying to take care of people. I'm not saying these guys would be were making a living from title, but they were getting more than they were getting in other places. So theoretically, maybe I mean I'm obviously speaking from ignorance. Maybe the sale that they're going will actually help with that. I mean, we would we can only hope, but I I've never known. Apple to actually be super artist friendly, unless you're already a super artist. That's not their like reputation. a chance the rapper or a my my point exactly. Like unless you're one of those guys, a lot of labels and Apple seems to be no different. Only love to put gas on something that's already burning. You know what I mean? You got to catch fire and then they show up. But most of these places are not in the business of making you famous. Let me ask you about Chance for a second because he's literally the biggest artist. That's not on a label. And he was able to do stuff like release the the mixtape on Apple Music and not be beholding to a label. How does he get impacted from this potential deal that Apple Music might have with Tidal? I don't think he's impacted at all because he's he's very grassroots. The fact that he's not beholding to one of the majors. Now, he's still signed in a way. There's still paperwork with his name on it. Yeah. it, it like this whole... Excuse me. This whole... You know, he's independent. That's kind of a, that's a stretch. You know, I know independent artists. You know what I mean? The label is like their mother's name. Like, that's real independent. <laughs> like, the studio's in the basement. They recording on their lunch break. I know indie artists, real indie artists. They've incorporated everything themselves. They're not signed to, you know, his name is on paperwork. But the fact that he has such a grassroots following and the fact that he has such a... Uh, his fans really ride with him. Yeah, I don't think you can really affect someone who moves so close to their fan base. Look at Joe Budden. Joe Budden was the first internet rapper. 
Yeah, Here we I'm are sure. in 2016. Yep. He just launched a diss at one of the biggest commercial artists of any genre. And successfully. Like, you know what I mean? And he can do that because his fan base has been riding with him nonstop. So if Chance can do that, then no sale really affects him. Because the worst come to worst, he can always just go back to his fans and make music for them. They're going to come out and see him in shows. He's going to sell merchandise. Case closed. Do you think streaming music is like the future? More so than downloading it or doing all that stuff? It it. It can be, but someone always makes a bigger mouse. Someone is always out to make a better mousetrap. You know what I mean? And I, what worries me are artists. I worry for artists who are independent and who rely on revenue streams to get their thing together. And every time we, every time the technology flips over, it just seems to be another way to cut the artist out and make the music more free and give them less chances to recoup their expenses. Or, or make any kind of money whatsoever. It just always seems to be a way to get an artist out of his pocket. So I it can be the future, but I would hope they would want to step it up and, and let some of these people like really rock out and, and get their money together. So since Flipside is kicking off, tell us what we can really expect from you guys putting out episodes weekly. A lot of porn. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna look. Well, we're gonna. We're gonna look to uh, interview some of your favorite people. Um, some people who are your favorite people who you're scared to admit are your favorite people. Some people who are your favorite people that you're afraid to watch. I'm talking about the kind of people you need to clean your internet browser of after you <laughs> die, so your mom don't come <laughs> over and see all that stuff. Like I, I have. I have. We have tons of ideas. We're gonna between my my and myself. Uh, music journalism is kind of the thing that we do. Yeah, it's growing a lot too. Yeah, it's so. We're just gonna we're just gonna keep that going and, and get it more in a one on one format. We can sit down with some of the you know everybody from Montana of three hundred to Akon to uh, Sarah J the porn star to uh, a mixed martial arts star. You know we we you never know who we might get in here to Puma from Black Ink Crew. Like it, all these things are possible. We just want to sit down and talk to people and kind of show you the side of them that they don't show when they're not making music. I, I think the objective or not doing what it is i think the objective would be to not speak about their art that's what i'm gonna go for like if you make music i'm not gonna talk to you about music because everybody's gonna talk to you about music i'd rather talk to you about hookers the let's things talk- that aren't you know already knowing about this exactly person. let's talk about strippers and burritos how about that how about we start the conversation off with strippers and burritos unless you're a stripper who makes burritos and then we need to talk about something <laughs> else it's living the dream I, I, I'm, I'm i'm all here for it dude i'm just here for the people that's it Meg, thanks. You can always catch their episodes. When's the first one coming out? We do not know. <laughs> bum, bum, I, have, bum. I have no clue. You're really going to have to stay tuned because we're getting it together as we speak. One of those people I mentioned are probably going to be my first, our first guest. So we just need to get the schedules together. But, yeah, we're going to start kicking this thing off pretty soon on a regular basis. So where can we follow you on, on Instagram Twitter for updates about the potential oh i'm i'm mr mech on everything m-r-m-e-c-c no spaces no dashes no dots so any on all formats so whatever you're looking just type that in and i'll pop up nice yeah come just come on down say hi to a brother i I try to keep it uh (laughs) pg-13 on instagram if you if you show up at the uh if you if you show up in the tumblr it's a whole different thing i got i got no control (laughs) over what happened yeah that's that's complete raunch central so if you look at who i'm following it's gonna get embarrassing not safe (laughs) for work um come on down to the twitter we're having discussions right now about everything from who the knicks are trying to get to joe budden versus drake to 
you know, hip hop standards, and you know, we talk all that purest stuff. We talk about how bad little Yachty's hair is. We'll, you know, we'll we'll just go through it. We'll just go through it. How big Sarah J's boobs are now, and you know, who she'd like to work with, male, female, indifferent, <laughs> <laughs> both. You know, we'll, we'll just we're just gonna kick it, man. So just come on down. It's gonna be a good time. So before we mm-hmm. let you go, since you've already proclaimed to be a Knicks fan proudly. Are we actually going to make the playoffs this year or not? No, no. <laughs> no, you know what? Playoffs, I think we can pull something off. I think the East Coast is not really that strong still. I mean, I'd like to see where all these, how all these trades end up once, once we get to the other side of the trade deadline and we see who's landed where. But, I mean, we got a decent coach. We, got, we still got Melo. We still got um, Porzingis. We're adding pieces. I think Noah, the fact is, his legs were never a problem. His shoulder was. He sat out a lot of games. He's probably completely healed up by now. And we're going to get that Noah. He can teach uh, KP defense. We got a point. Derrick Rose is in his contract. Yeah, so he's going to play like he wants another contract after this. So I think we'll get the best out of him. I think we'll get the best possible. And it kind of falls into into line with the coach. I'm really interested to see who we get at the two. Yeah, it's gonna be that they have a few names thrown around right now: Eric Gordon, Courtney Lee, Evan Turner. So no, no one stars like with guys who could because the Knicks already right now have a lot of guys who are ball dominant scorers. So mm-hmm. they're looking for guys who could pull, who could help run the offense to fill in for Derrick Rose and you know hit a three. I think Crawford might. I, I Jamal would be a good pickup. But I like I've always liked JC. Like for what is he twenty eight, twenty nine now? No, he's Jamal's thirty five. Thirty five. <laughs> but he but that's Tom the flies. point. But that's the point though. He still plays like he's twenty. Yeah, exactly. Like he's so been, he's at, been at a high level since exactly period since he's never he's never he hasn't lost a step exactly. And he still looks like a twelve year old. Yeah, he still has that twelve like year old age, looking. Like he never ages. Yeah, he no, like he's, he's on same. that Pharrell juice. Like I don't, I don't, I don't know where they Steph buy Curry. that. So, Steph Curry, I said it before, I'll say it again. He looks like everyone's little brother. <laughs> he he is the universal little brother. He is the he is the noogie receiver. You give him a wedgie, you bring him home a frog. He's happy. Like you let him you let him follow you to the store. Like he's everyone's little brother. That's that's. <laughs> That's why that's why people root for him because quite frankly the man's adorable. Like he, the only <laughs> only thing cuter than him is his kid. And she's kind of obnoxious. She's a little more obnoxious <laughs> than he is. Like Riley at the podium grabbing mics, she's like pointing eyes at people. Like you know, she's a she's a little thug. And it's like your father's way too adorable for you to be this thuggy. Where did you get any of this from? Her mama. Yeah, or or or, or Dell got some stuff that he ain't been talking about. <laughs> Maybe kick back from hanging with grandpa a little bit. You're bringing home habits. Like that little chick is gonna have like she as as cute as she is, I can completely see her growing up and challenging the Sharkisha of the block for dominance. Oh my. Yeah. Like, yo, is that Sharkeisha? Yo, come here. Come here. Come here. We got to talk. Come here. Yeah, this is my block now. Understand? Zero to 100. <laughs> Riley Curry, RC block, right here. We, <laughs> we, we done here. We finished. Like that, that little chick is thugging. I love it to death, though. I love it to death. But her father's adorable. Like, this dude's just a universal little brother. So I don't, I don't, know, how that, I don't know how that translates out to his daughter being like Riley from the boondocks. Oh, my goodness. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. She's just cute and thugging. It's, it's, oh it's bananas. That whole family is is fantastic. Yeah. Mr. Mech on Twitter, Instagram. He literally said on everything. But, Mech, thank you so much. We're going to keep our eyes open for sure. Yep. Well, don't close them because you might get hit with uh, something. <laughs> 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 
The things things fly around this podcast. It's gonna, be, it's gonna be a little just watch for liquids. Well, They're at right least <laughs> at, at least you've all been warned. <laughs> Period. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. There was some breaking news as we were finishing up our interview. And Jeremy, I'm giving you all the credit again. He's he's really carrying. He's 07 LeBron carrying us today. So, so what are you saying? A bunch of scrubs? I said it. I'm, 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 my, my behavior feels scrub-like today. But Jeremy, wh- what were you letting us know? So OJ Mayo, who I believe is currently in the Milwaukee Bucks, has been banned by the NBA. He's been thrown out of the league because he failed in violating the NBA PA and NBA drug policy. Which is a shocker, because it is a shocker because there was never any talk about him. The exact drug, I don't know, but I think he might have had some, I guess, some issues in the past because it seems drastic that one issue would get you thrown out for life. Look at Mike Scott who got arrested with a ton of Molly and I think marijuana. it's Molly. I think it's a Molly. To but, be but Mike Scott's facing twenty five years in prison and is currently in the court system and he didn't get thrown out of the NBA and hasn't gotten suspended until that legal system plays out. So clearly OJ Mayo has been involved in this program before. And if you look at OJ Mayo's career, he was built as the next guy coming out of college, coming yeah. out of high school. And it's a very sad end to what was supposed to be a promising career. I mean, to this issue, I don't, I don't have two things to say about this. One, why is the NFL trying to go more strict with it? Because there's two years, and they do, like, these one-year bans. Well, yeah, and to, secondly, yeah, why clear, is Mayo doing that dumbest decision in his life? Yeah, to be clear, he can apply for reinstatement in two years. He is only 29 years old, so theoretically he could probably play in the NBA again, although it's very doubtful given that he got kicked out of the league for drug abuse. So. Yeah him staying clean or not being involved with what he was involved with two years for a shooting guard he really wasn't even playing that well anyway it's probably the end of his career but it's you substance abuse in sports is a big problem peds in baseball when you look at guys like d gordon getting suspended in the nfl you have the johnny manzel situation the josh gordon i did an article on brian like uh, and I was talking. I interviewed him a few week, few months ago. You know, talking about his growth of his career. And then when I heard about that news, it just shocked me. Cause one, I didn't know. I thought he was past that. And two, I had to change my whole article around. So that kind of was a headache. But it just sucks. Cause these players, they have their their opportunity to be the best, like talented players. Some, most of them. And then they blow it away because they they have an addiction that they can't stop. They have careers that people would kill for playing yeah. professional sports, making a ton of money. But I, th- I guess the pro- what do you guys think? They get wrapped up in the lifestyle. I mean, they just can't say no. They Personally, know it's I, depression. Maybe they got problems. I mean, th- that's one thing, honestly, because the thing is, the lifestyle lies to all of us. Because beneath it, we were commenting earlier when we saw the video of LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Chris Paul, and their wives. On a Spain, on a, on a yacht in Spain, excuse me, but they were goofing around like regular people. My thing is that these are still people with problems and they use the lifestyle that they live to kind of shield all that, which means it may be one thing for Joe regular to go and get a street drug from anybody. But for these players, they only have to make one phone call and it's there in minutes. So yeah. that, that may be more the underlying – I mean, in addition to the terrible problem they probably have, the fact that everything's accessible. But it's also a group of friends around them. you got to have the circle that's like, listen, you know, we got to have a positive people around you that won't make you have bad decisions. It's also on that. The, and I felt like 
people like Brian and Manziel, they don't well, have Manziel, that. Manziel, I don't know what he's doing. Even his dad. And the thing about Brian in that interview, he has two daughters. So you know how bad it looked for him just doing that and well, throwing his life away for his daughters? Yeah, but if we're going to talk about football players with drug issues, it's Johnny Manziel because he, when your dad talks to an ESPN reporter, Josina Anderson, and says, my son's a druggie, he needs to be in jail. That's, that's rock that's, bottom. That, that, that really is rock bottom. And what sucks is that there was a Snapchat with Johnny Manziel reportedly in the vicinity of girls owning baggies of cocaine. Yeah, that's just. And yet he says he's going to get clean and he's going to make it to an NFL training camp. First of all, the NFL has already suspended him for the first four games, regardless of whomever picks him up. Someone's gonna pick and, him up. And that's not even um, that's not even suspended the because of the le- ongoing legal case he has. He just got suspended for a substance abuse violation. So he, that, there's going to be much more tacked on to that once that whole situation with his domestic violence charge is solved as well. But it's it's something that, especially with Manziel, you can look at a picture of him when he's entering the NFL draft into a picture of now. He's lost a ton of weight. He's wasn't in terms of his NFL future. I, I don't see it. I don't see any team taking a risk on a guy who's this high profile. If Tim Tebow, who is a saint, can't get a job. How is Johnny Manziel? With the same meat, and it, a lot of it is blamed on because he brings such a media circus. How is, Tommy, how is Johnny Manziel going to get a job? I mean, people are going to look at the fact that, at the very least, Manziel had some promise as an NFL starter. Well, Tim Tebow won a playoff game, but the, I mean, true. It, I, 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 I just feel like they're, in terms of them being actual quarterbacks, it might be apples and oranges to an extent. He's just so unreliable, though. The character yeah. issue, especially the NFL, with who's, who've had so many problems with char- with players with character issues, I, I don't see him getting the opportunity to ever play again. And interestingly enough, you know, earlier in the offseason, Eugene Monroe was really strongly advocating a change to the substance abuse policy because you've got a bunch of players that are using marijuana just to get through the week. The pain management. And I think the Ravens cut him, right? Yes, because they did. Yeah, they cut him. But at least they're saying it was for football reasons but, only. I don't think that's But also the this, Charles Richardson got suspended too. You know, nobody's here talking about that, but he also got suspended. Sheldon, Wait, Sheldon, Sheldon, Sheldon does it to himself more than half the time. It's not worth talking about. It's but it's, it's ridiculous. The whole These players, thing, everybody. Well, they have everything in the world in front of them. They have no. They no one says no to them, and if they do, they just go to the next person who'll say yes. Because it's the pressure that they have. How many agents maybe. has Johnny Manziel gone through in the last three months? I think he went through Drew Rosenhaus. Yeah, that's awful. I mean, I mean, I think it's just the pressure these players have. Maybe they're pressured to be something that they think they can't achieve, and they go through that process of doing drugs and. And you know, being alone or depressed about it, because you know, maybe it's just all that money. It just goes up to your head. And I get that because it really is a lot of pressure. But I think sometimes what one thing that we kind of see is that when you're just starting out, you know, the circle is tight, everybody's in it together. Once that money starts rolling in, people change, and once those attachments are formed for whomever the player or the or the main person is. It, it ends up being a question of, quote, loyalty. Well, a guy like Manziel who had all these problems in college, too, he, with that whole autograph scandal. But when you, if you circle it back to a guy like O.J. Mayo or, you know, even a guy like Lamar Odom when he was playing in the NBA. I mean, That's still a tragedy. Lamar Odom day. did get suspended early on for substance abuse and was in the program when he was with the Clippers, I believe. But before when he was whole career, I don't 
believe he had any other substance abuse problems, but um, O.J. Mayo, that came out of nowhere. But Johnny Manziel, that, that, this is something that you when Ryan Leaf goes on a radio show and says, I see myself in Johnny Manziel, it's like looking in a mirror, you know you have a problem. That's terrible. That's terrible, so, though. Not it's just not scary. just not it's just because of the bus scenario, but if you look at Ryan Leaf's life, how he ended up going to jail for uh, breaking into someone's house because he needed to get painkillers. I mean, Johnny Manziel's on a really bad path, and the worst part is everyone seems to know it, and the people around him aren't doing anything to help him out. It, like you just said, he was in a video with people with baggies of cocaine. I mean, I don't, I don't think at this point it's about people not wanting to help him. You've got to want to be helped, too, because I almost feel like these conversations that we're having on this show have been had behind closed doors countless times. He walked out of his own intervention just weeks ago. Yeah, that's amazing. Like his dad, when, she was, when he was talking to Josina Anderson, said, yeah, I sent him to rehab and he escaped and the doctor let him go. How do you escape rehab? Yeah, how does the doctor let you go? How does that happen? The system is failing him as well, but you can't blame the system because he's the one making these decisions. I read a story yesterday how Charles Barkley ran into him in Las Vegas, and he ended up having a talk, and he said, Johnny, you're ruining your life. Drugs and alcohol killed. I had a brother. Charles said he had a brother who died from alcoholism. And so then Charles is on his way to the airport, and one of his friends goes, yeah, I just got info about Johnny Manziel. He got arrested at a nightclub in Vegas. Charles, you're a fantastic Are mentor. Are you kidding me? So they were just busting on Charles for being a great mentor. But, like, Charles Barkley's right. This It's destroying his life. And if you ever hear this, Johnny, you don't know us, and it really doesn't matter if you do or not. Get help, bro. This is dangerous. You're playing with your life, man. He won't get it. He just won't get it. I, I, I lost faith in him when he lost all his ages. I don't think he's going to get it, and it's just sad to see it. But well, if he does, you know, I hope, I hope I'm wrong about it, but if he does, you know, be good for you him. You know, screw sports at this point. It's about your life. And I and it's never over until the clock hits triple zeros. And I really do hope we don't end up hearing in the next couple months, let alone years, that Johnny Manziel passed away because of drug abuse. It would be heartbreaking. Well, I don't think – well, that is true. And in terms of him in the NFL, I think that ship is sailed. Forget the, forget the league. Get better first. I've always said you win in life with people. And I have been so blessed to have great people in my life. So before we wrap the show up, we cannot go without mentioning the life, the legendary career – of Pat Summit, 38 years, the head coach of the Tennessee Lady Volunteers, passed away earlier this week. You know, it's, it's very sad because it seemed like she was just in the early stages of battling Alzheimer's, and it's the reason why she won the 2012 SB Award, the Arthur Ashe Courage Award, that is. But, fellas, what, what are your takeaways about what she did, not just for her school, but for the sport of basketball, because I think she she looms like one of, as one of the largest. I think if there's a basketball Mount Rushmore period for men's and women's, I think she's on it. She's an old school coach. I think she set the standard for you know an old school approach on how you coach players, how to make sure that they're successful on and off the court too. I mean, most of the people that she's coached, I think it was like a hundred percent graduate rate for players that play for her. So. She's a she's a one who's a life you know a life teacher in terms of stuff that you do off the court you know about life and everything and playing well in basketball. 
G Ball women's basketball really into the mainstream. It how popular college women's college basketball is now. A lot of that can be attributed to uh, Pat Summit and her rivalry with UConn's Gino Auriemma. And the thing is, I know people are looking at Gino's numbers and and because he's got ten championships to Pat's eight. But personally, I think she becomes the best because without her, there's no Gino. Tara Vanderveer is kind of her peer, but there's not much from her either. And as far as even a Muffet McGraw or, or pretty much any women's basketball program, all roads lead back to Knoxville, Tennessee. Yep. I mean, well, you, that, that's one of the arguments. Who's the better coach or who's left the better legacy, Pat Summon or Gina Oriema? Well, as of now, I think it's clear to say that you could argue. And not a lot of people disagree that Pat Summit's with the – one of the best coaches of all time. And they got a record overall. She had a .84 winning record, and at home she was pretty much unstoppable at .913 in her career. And, you know. That's ninety. That's 91.3%, people. Yeah, that's But let's that's not great. deal with decimals. Well, I'm just saying in general. But it's incredible what, what she's done over the career. And a lot of people are going to miss her, and she's still going to be with everybody, like in our hearts in basketball, understand the old school toughness and all that. And you have Lady Vols everywhere from Tamika Catchings, Candace Parker, even Shamiqua Holdsclaw. And Candace, she played that night for the L.A. Sparks, the night that Coach Summit passed away. Yeah, I saw and, and she said that she's playing out the rest of this season in tribute to her coach. And I think that's just an incredible legacy to leave. She's a several-time SEC Coach of the Year, NCAA Coach of the Year, and probably one of the biggest honors is that Naismith Coach of the Century Award she got. You know, she she may have only won eight NCAA titles, but she went to eighteen Final Fours only with the quotation marks. She won well compared to she went to eighteen NCAA Final Fours. So you can say she lost she lost more times than she won, but still that's incredible. I mean, people look at what UConn done running off all the championships they have in a row, but. You know, Pat Summit really paved the way for dominant women's basketball teams. The three-peat team from 96 to 98 and going back-to-back in 07 and 08. Rest in peace to a legend. That'll do it for us here for the episode. You can follow all of us on Twitter. At Mornis10. At JeremyEPS. And at N underscore A-S-O-N-Y-E. And always at TheDunk360 on Twitter because there can only be one. That's right. We're out of here. See you next week.